Welcome, everyone, to episode 32 of the Dream Team Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jake Schultz. No Dan today, but I brought the OG trio for all of you guys. Zulfi Shake first up. How's it going? What's up? And Spencer Kloss. What's up, everyone? Been a while since we've all sat down to actually talk basketball. We did our double feature. It was not supposed to be a double feature. Uh, of the OG and the Nobi trade and the New Year's resolutions, but hopefully you guys enjoyed. I uh, can confirm they were uh, highs for us on the podcast with OG and Anobi's trade, and uh, that seemed to carry over to the other one as well. So look at us. We're, we're getting a little bit of a new year, new viewers. So Dan can no longer say that we have just five viewers listening to us. So thank you guys so much for that. But we're here to talk about the new look Toronto Raptors to start things off because we never had our chance to actually digest all that's happened with the team. They had one nice home win, which ended up being a lot closer than expected because it was a very, very close game at the end after the Raptors led for most of the game. And then they went on a nice six game road trip, which they still are currently on three and three since the trades. Zolfi, they are facing Utah tomorrow. I'm going to come to you first. What have you thought of the new look Raptors? I think it's been a lot of fun and there's been a lot of positivity surrounding it, which is really good. I think the fact that the roster just makes more sense now, the construction of it is uh, like, I guess, simpler in a better way to put it because there's not as many overlapping skills and overlapping roles. People have more definition in what they're doing. And the way I kept saying it is like, People don't have to be more than they are in this offense and just with this team now with guys like Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett there. I think everything fits. And you see like right away with a guy like R.J. Barrett. He's playing with so much freedom in this offense just with this team as a whole. He's going out there, running the ball up and down the floor, going crazy in transition. And I just love the way he's doing it. He's averaging over 20 points a game since he's been with Toronto. His efficiency has been great, which has always been a question mark for R.J. Barrett. And I just think there's a lot of free-flowingness with this team that they're kind of doing everything in like – a fun way again and it's working for the team but i'll say that in that they're they are three and three so they haven't won too many games yet obviously some of them are close and we can get into how those games went down and whatnot but right now vibes are good because it's, it's still new like we're we'll sit we're still really in the honeymoon phase but once the honeymoon phase passes if they're still middling around like 500 then you're going to start having some more conversation about like okay what are we doing with this spencer yeah I'd, um, I do want to say, even though they've lost three games, they have covered the spread, I think, in every game so far. <laughs> so from um, they've been impressive, at least in keeping games close. Their offense has been really good. They've been giving up a lot of points, that's for sure. But uh, I can say confidently that I've watched as much as I could of the last four Raptors games. So um, that hasn't happened in a long time, especially this yeah, season. So it's, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I I think that you kind of nailed it there towards the end, Spencer, is that this team feels different. And like it feels like that honeymoon phase that we're in is a honeymoon phase for a reason because they're giving us the new additions of RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are giving us something that we just have not seen from a Raptors team in a long, long time. That's three-point shooting. (laughs) That's just fun offensive vibes. And that's two guys that can create their own shots, which allow other people their space to open up and show their game to grow scotty has had some really good production i think that placing dennis shooter onto the bench has allowed that bench to feel a lot more deep now as it stands right now with two starters out and we can probably get to that a little bit later with thad young coming in and playing center and garrett temple checking into games with the injuries which is really the first time this season that the raptors have had to deal with injuries but as just kind of my sort of initial i'm having fun watching this team play and i could not say that earlier this year like december was really really tough to watch like honestly it was borderline tampa time for me watching that team it was just so you could tell something needed to change and messiah made that change and brought in two guys i think really fit this long-term vision yeah when's the last time we just like saw this team losing and we were okay with it for the most part like the Sacramento loss, everyone was like, you know what? At halftime, you allowed 77 points. And I think everyone with how late the game was on the West Coast was like, you know what? The Raptors are going to lose, whatever. Sacramento shooting lights out, where whatever. It's going to happen. We're okay with it. But then you saw that team fight back. 
make it a close game at the end. It was within a possession. They lost by five, and it was very impressive. It, it was commendable, quite honestly, by the Raptors. And then you had the Lakers game, and even throughout all the nonsense and all the BS that happened with the foul calls, you were so happy about the fact that the Raptors fought through it all. They were making some insane shots. If the whistle wasn't part of that, they very likely win that game. And the fact that they just didn't hang their heads, that's the, the biggest thing. This new Raptors team doesn't seem to have as much quit in them as the previous Raptors team did. And that's been so good to see. Again, I'm just going to go back to that right now. That's really important and that's really good to see. And I think that's what we're all happy about. As the season goes on, it's going to be a little different because you only have so many like uh, moral victories before it starts wearing thin. So for now, it's still positive to get that from the team. Yeah, they look like they care, which is fun to watch. When you see everyone hustling on every play, it's like a lot more fun to watch as a fan because it's just high-energy basketball. Um, I know like obviously some of the points they've given up doesn't seem like they're hustling more because but i mean they just don't have og anymore like that's a big loss on defense and these new guys have actually done a really good job of coming in and just giving it their all on every play on both ends of the floor yeah i think rj for me has been kind of that one big impression in terms of that because his transition game oh my lord i didn't think that he was that much of a monster in transition he just bullies his way down <laughs> that key and the thing that i love the most about that is that not only is he forcing things up because he's not he did a little bit at the beginning he had a little bit of that tunnel vision but when he forces down into transition he's been passing the ball out and so some really good looks which gives the team a different depth that they just haven't had in a long long time i for all the talk about a toxic asset has there been more of a surprise than RJ Barrett coming in and literally putting up like Kawhi Leonard types of efficiency in this first six games as a Raptor? Cause I, I, I don't think there is. No, I think in terms of like, who's been the most like pleasant surprise throughout all of this, I think you could probably chalk it up to it being either RJ Barrett or Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench, but RJ Barrett really takes the cake, especially that conversation coming in. Uh, people were saying that he was a throw-in into the trade, could have been salary filler. His, his his contract seems like he's being like overrated a little bit. But the fact that he's playing this well, this efficiently, again, he's 23 years old. He's younger than Emmanuel quickly. He's doing this, and he's on a long-term deal right now. If he keeps this kind of efficiency up and builds with this core, that deal is not only going to be a bargain, it's going to be such a great asset for this Raptors team to have. And like you said, in transition, he is thriving. He is reading the game so well that tunnel vision is going away with every single game and every single possession. I'm describing it as like it's creativity through simplicity because when he goes down the lane, it's like, okay, do I have an advantage here? Yes, I'm going to go do what I do and be a bully. Do I not have an advantage here? Okay, I'm going to make the right pass out to somebody either trailing on the three-point line or a dump off pass to somebody in the lane. Like he is keeping it really simple, but it's providing him options. And that's just something we're seeing him make the most out of. And I think it's worked perfectly that he came from New York and not another team because the, the pressures of playing in ho- at home in front of like your family and friends is quite a bit, to be honest, especially the only team north of the border. But the fact that he had to go through the New York media market being a third overall pick and have all that pressure and all that scrutiny playing in Madison Square Garden, I think it's prepared him so well for this moment that he's just taking with so much stride. Yeah, I think to your point, it's probably almost relieving for him to come play in Toronto, which is weird because for if he played for like 28 other teams, that wouldn't be the case. So it's definitely been a positive and I think a lot of people are still saying like, oh, just wait for his bad stretch. Like sometimes he, you know, he has streaks, he looks good and then he looks bad. But I we've seen it before where it's like player can get traded to a new team and like just have a change of scenario and just develop into a player that he would have never been at the old team so until i see it like i'm loving it so far and and like the bad stretch thing i understand and i get he has those like down spurts as well but like doesn't every basketball player have a bad stretch that's part of playing basketball and that's part of like having a downswing in your game you go through slumps and i get that sometimes his can be extended periods but again part of that has to do with where he was playing the role he was in what he was asked to do and the pressure that he faced it's so much different. And like you raised a really good point, like coming to Toronto, the first thing he was going to get when he arrived here was support from a fan base because he's a Canadian, because they know that he's young and has potential. A 23 year old having a slump and having to go through growing pains to me, isn't that crazy to think about? Like that's just part of being a young basketball player in my mind. So I, I'm okay with it when it happens. And I'm sure it will, like it's going to happen, of course, but when it happens, I think he's going to be able to grow out of it as well in this environment. Yeah. I yeah. think we just need I, to see it like 
over a season, right? Like he can't be shooting below like 45%, let's say, like he has been throughout his career. Like Mm -hmm. if that happens, then sure. But I honestly think that I personally, from what I've seen again, I know Knicks fans are telling me to just wait for it. But from what I've seen, like I think he's going to develop into like a player shooting up towards 50% in like his prime. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is the the consistency thing is kind of what we need. But like over a six-game stretch, I haven't seen really that much of what all these Knicks fans are saying. Like I'm seeing a guy that's coming out there, is confident in what he's doing, and is making the right looks. And it's just – it's a refreshing smell. Like, you know, it just – it feels like these two have come in and have just completely turned the vibes on this season. It's just – it's incredible. Like I – I, I honestly was going to be like, I couldn't imagine sitting thinking that OG is still in this roster. Like God, we love OG and the de- defense is clearly suffering because of it. But if OG was still on this roster and two weeks after that, Detroit Pistons games, this team is going through the same motions over and over and over again, because the Pistons game really feels like that was just like a, that's the end. Like that, that was the end of that chapter of the Raptors. And now we have a brand new fresh chapter. And without that, like, I couldn't even imagine what we would be sitting through right now. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what Raptors fans would have to really be looking forward to. And the trade talk is still there around Pascal Siakam. We saw last week with the Kings and is he going to get traded? Is he not going to get traded? But I think that's been lessened now because something has been done and that we can think, okay, there is a vision that's happening. And this vision was instant offensive support around scotty barnes building a vision around scotty barnes that much has been adamant from what Masai said in the open gym clips to what darko was saying in the post conference the the face of the league scotty barnes but it's just it's refreshing to watch these guys come in and i don't even think quickly's living up to his full potential yet if anything it's rj who's been living up to that potential quickly still has so much more room to grow and what we've seen him grow at least what i've seen through the six games not necessarily just that scoring which he has been very good and very positive on but it's that assist factor it's that playmaking skills that we all kind of knew that he had but never really had a chance to explore that with brunson there because they were cutting running their line through brunson now he just kind of has that chance to go and be that thing and it's worked out extremely well and it only has so much more room to grow so i think yeah it's expectations have just been kind of it's been nice especially on a road trip like i've been sitting up to one o'clock watching these games god forbid if i would not be staying up <laughs> to one o'clock watching the whatever that team was for the past two months versus this past two weeks and it's kind of crazy that two weeks just flips your perspective on everything perspective matters man like it's 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 hilarious this team is three and three since uh this trade uh they could have easily yeah. been three and three with the team they had before the trade and we'd be saying this sucks we'd be saying the yeah. raptors suck this is terrible to watch what are we going through where's the direction what's this what's that but the fact that they made a move and we know what the direction is now three and three isn't so bad at least to start now so you're right perspective matters like all the all the all the little bit and uh, I wanted to kind of ask you guys this too. Like, again, I feel like I, I'm kind of being like the guy who's saying this is great, but so you guys have mentioned the defense a little bit, but I want to ask, what are the concerns around this team so far that have popped up for you? Again, like Jay, you talked about either Emmanuel quickly and his slow start in a lot of these games, the defense being there are, what are the concerns that you guys have with this roster that they kind of need to figure out as they go on? Uh, just on the top of my head, I think that the transition game is something that, like, the transition defense is something that the Raptors have always done extremely well, and it has been lacking a lot more recently. So I think just in general, everything around the defense has been kind of concerning. Uh, the first couple games, like, it was a little bit like, oh, like, it is what it is. It's, they're they're new, they'll figure out the system. But since then, like, the Raptors have not really done the best job at holding their teams to (laughs) under 120 points like they've done it twice since that this trade has happened yeah Uh, which is 30 plus i think twice 124 out of the last six games i believe so they've been they've been bleeding a little bit and, and that's the concern when you have that one guy that you've held your hand on for so long being that anchor in og ananobi and it's obvious that scotty barnes is being primed to take over that position but there is a little bit of difficulty now with Scotty being that number one because he's so good when he's inside the key. 
that then when you try to take him out and be that one-on-one defender that OG was, you risk a lot of other issues inside of that key. And the, and especially now when you have Siakam and Pirtle that are out, you can't really explore that at the same time. So you're kind of holding on to your... It, it's a weird... <laughs> it's a definitely weird thing to see because the Raptors have been all defense for the past five years now. And for them to slowly move away from that, that and that style, and I think that's a little bit more of Darko's vision as well, is that this share the rock, get the rock moving, get that offensive flowing. It is strange to see them have to shoot out of situations when we could just sit back and watch them grind defense. Uh, so I think that's definitely my main concern. Spencer, do you have any other concerns on the top of your head? Uh, yeah, well, obviously inexperience is one, but that's just like a cop-out answer. Like obviously inexperience, they're going to play through that. I think we're going to need more from the... I guess what eight and eighth, ninth and tenth man off the bench. Um, I think that's really where they still have a big gap. Like uh, Jonte Porter's been sick, but yeah. he's obviously we're not. If we're relying on Jonte Porter Jr. to be like our our like uh, our strongest piece off the bench other than Schroeder, there, there's pro- there's a problem there. So I like McDaniel's uh, Gary Trent needs to get consistent. And I think that's probably their biggest problem other than the fact that they're going to be missing Pirtle now for at least a couple of weeks because their defense is going to struggle even more without Pirtle, that's for sure. Because uh, Boucher is a great help defender. He's great at blocking shots when he can come over and help. But like in actual defensive metrics that matter to winning games, Boucher is not going to help us much. So or I guess even Thad Young, I don't know who's playing in the, the Colts of games. I fell asleep the last two games. But <laughs> it's been bad. down the stretch... It's just not going to cut it. Shout out Thaddeus Young coming off He's of been good. literally strains of DMPs. Just always ready, that vet is. No, I, I agree, though. Like, they do need a bit more production towards the end of the bench. But their start of their bench is so good now when they have their normal rotations. Like, if you have Siakam and Pirtle in there, you've had Gary, who has looked more recently than not very good off of the bench, which is what you need, that spark flood off the bench. And Dennis Schroeder in a role that we all know him to be good as, as that six man. I think when they have the rotations that it will look a little bit better because then they're not throwing out Garrett Temple or Thad Young every single night, even though I think genuinely, I think Thad Young, you could start playing him a bit more. Like he, he's looked serviceable and not even that, like he's got some heart to him, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing for sure. Yeah. I, it just kind of shows what Pirtle has been like defensively. eh? Yeah. Like everyone gives him all the flack and now everyone misses him. It's not even just like the defense itself. It's the fact that like, he is just like a body that's always going to be out there in the right spots doing the right things. Like he creates so many advantages for this Raptors offensively, just by the screens that he set on ball and off ball. He is always a willing passer. Uh, I think it was the the beginning of that Lakers game where Jack Armstrong on the broadcast kept saying that like the ball is sticky. It's sticking. They're not moving it the same. This is a team that averages nearly 30 assists a game. And they had like six, I believe, after the first like 12 to 24 minutes because they just weren't moving the ball the same. And a Jakob is so instrumental in that because his like passes off the elbow, him making uh, his reads off to people like making back cuts and stuff. He's a really important player for them in that sense. So I think it's going to be important to see how this team reacts without him. Both of you guys raised really good points in the sense that like defense is obviously going to matter because you don't lose a guy like OG Ananobi without suffering something. And the idea of like the Raptors needing to figure out this like bench depth because uh, they need to kind of get more contributions consistently now with some of these guys out. But I think silver linings wise, just to add a positive spin to it, it's a guy who's usually the the guy who's given the negative caveat. Uh, (laughs) The Raptors have been relatively healthy this whole season up until now. So I think barring anything crazy happening, I think the chance of them getting these guys back and being healthy after this stint is pretty high. And and then you'll have these guys who have been tested throughout the bench in like a Thad Young and Jonte Porter and some of these other guys. So when they're healthy, these guys will be even more seasoned and ready to go. So I think that's good. And defense, it's interesting because they're giving up a lot of points, yes. But the guys they added also have increased their offensive rating as well. They have like a top five offensive rating since the trade, even though their defense has slipped as well. So it's funny. Before the trade happened, technically their defense was better, but they had gone down 10 or more points in basically half of their games in that stretch. Since the trade, they've only been down 10 or more points twice. So yes, they're allowing more points, but they're also scoring more points. So there is a silver lining there that it's kind of evening out a little bit. So the defense, yeah, it needs to get better, but it it isn't the biggest cause for concern so far. Yeah, like it's literally been six games. It's just definitely something that's going to have to be 
run out the more the games go on. I think Siakam will be back. I his it seems like just kind of a stinger. Uh, I think hopefully he'll be back and his presence, like regardless of how gutsy the performance was against the Clippers, I feel like it kind of shows just how much Siakam means to that team. And I, this is me kind of wanting to transition to what we see happening with Siakam in the next month or so, because uh, we see all the rumors, like they're not stopping, but like it is definitely still there. Like there's so much smoke that it's got to be a flame. At what point are we going to sit here and make a decision on what Pascal Siakam is going to be with the Toronto Raptors? I mean, I want to make us all as it is now at the time of recording, January 11th, we're going to stamp our official, what we expect to happen in February. Okay. So we're all making our official decisions that if Pascal Siakam will be traded, stayed without an extension, or we'll get an extension by free agency. And Zolfi, I'm going to go to you first. Mm. Pascal Siakam, what is his future? Oh, I hate this because this is so dependent on the market and what people are willing to offer. But I will say that Pascal Siakam will be signed to a max extension by the Toronto Raptors come February. And uh, I think the main reason why is two things. One, Pascal Siakam doesn't want to take a discount, nor should he want to. It's his prerogative. He can do what he wants. The fact that uh, there's this conversation about, like, is he going to take a three-year deal? Is he going to give a hometown discount? I just don't think that any of those points matter to him. He's a guy who was a 27th overall pick. He's been an all-NBA player, a great underdog story. Go make your money. Do what you want. And the other part is, Equally stubborn in this situation is Masai Ujiri. He doesn't want to get fleeced in the trade. He doesn't want to take less for a guy, even though he's on an expiring deal. So if Masai isn't willing to take a sunk cost trade and Pascal isn't willing to take less than a max deal, you're kind of left with either somebody comes around and offers you something because they're desperate. Maybe a Warriors who have been struggling like crazy lately. They're like, you know what? We need to change. Let's give the Raptors whatever they want to get Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I think that's less likely than just the Raptors ponying up, paying Pascal Siakam, giving him what he deserves, and then evaluating it maybe a season from now in terms of what the financial implications are and then making a trade off of that. So I'm going to go with the side of they sign him because, hell, he could just be really good like he has been, and this team starts getting better as well. There is that side of it too. Okay, so that's one for a max extension. Spencer, what do you have? Well, my real answer is I have no idea, but... Uh... My my don't you got to think of the top of your head answer. My don't make jig mad answer is uh, I don't know. He, he gets <laughs> traded. Well, okay, well, who's he get traded to? Who's he get traded to? To the Mavericks. That's your don't make Jake mad answer is to the Dallas traded? Mavericks. <laughs> okay. Okay. What what would you want back from the Mavericks in that kind of a trade? Yeah. Oh God. Honestly, they don't really have anything. That's my biggest flaw to the trade. No. Um, <laughs> hey man, I just think they are going to be the. I just think they're the most des. They're going to be the most desperate team uh, when it comes to the trade deadline. That's just my what I think. Them or the Warriors, I think, are the two most likely teams that are going to be really desperate. Um, but honestly, I just I, I'm pretty sure I know what Jake's going to say as well. So I wanted to do give a different answer because I want to see pretty fifty fifty on it. So I could make a and and hear a strong argument for both sides. Um, yeah, I do, I, before Jake goes, I just have to say Dallas Mavericks have a bit of like a little something in the treasure chest. You have Canadian Omax Olivia Maxis Prosser. He was actually in town yesterday in the, with the G League balling out. He had eighteen in the first half, twenty two for the game, three straight games with twenty plus points for them. Montreal kid, man. I'll take Omax in a trade, bring another Canadian out here. I wouldn't want him to be the only person in a trade, but they got a little something-something. Is roster. that just because you went and watched Omax yesterday that you think that? No, I just think he's been good overall. He's a, he's a physical body. Did I watch him? Yes. And does that help me have an opinion on him? Absolutely. But uh, I just wanted him to get some Canadian content. I thought you were going to say the other Canadian on that team. Dwight Powell? Yeah, I know. Thank you. I'm okay. Hey, the Raptors need a center. <laughs> The Raptors need a lot of things. Doesn't mean you need to go get Dwight Powell. What, what's with the oh. Dwight Powell hate? Come on, man. He's just, he's not bad, but like, what does he do better than any of the guys you already have on this team? Uh, play. What? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, does he you play? Find he's hurt quite a bit in his career. He's missed a lot of time. Uh, I was trying to think of something clever, and clearly that wasn't working. I don't think my brain's really working as well today as it normally does. Granted, I don't think it works in general, but yeah, fair enough. Spencer, have you, have you thought of a package yet? 
Well, there's. I'll just tell you players that I am interested in on their roster because I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to match a salary, but there there have to be a salary matcher somewhere in there. Um. Well, obviously Derek Lively. They're never going to give him up. I'm not even going to include him, but I have to just mention him because he's just the obvious. He's he's their best asset. Anyways, um, Josh Green is like he's he's okay as a prospect for sure. Uh, Jaden Hardy would probably be somebody that I would at, like absolutely 100% need in the deal. Yeah, and then as many picks they're willing to give up. That's basically the only package they have, plus someone to fill contracts. Yeah, that that person would probably be Tim Hardaway Jr. Like he'd very likely be the salary yeah. filler in that trade. Which again, shooting so something. Okay, you want to hear my? It just depends now? how scared Messiah is. That nope. really is what it comes down to. Yeah. But yes, I would I, love to hear it, yours. It, that, that's the thing, man. It, how long have we sat here and known Masai Ujiri to sit back and will not make a trade unless he legitimately thinks that it is worth it and beneficial? Aside from some of the other ones, but more recently, this man is loyal to a T. That this is just what he is with his players, and he waited on OG Ananobi. There's so many reports that Evan Fournier was initially the initial package last year as well. Like this guy waited out Emmanuel quickly. And it worked for both sides, okay? The same thing stands here. Everything that I'm seeing from people in the media are putting Pascal Siakam for just like some other random people, random pieces. And they're just like, yeah, that's enough. Like, it's just it's just Pascal Siakam. Like, oh, but then when he goes on an American team, then all of a sudden, oh, it's Pascal Siakam. Like, we're, we're in business now. But I think that that's kind of the same thing here. Like, I don't see too many packages out there that at least again, this is just me reading the tea leaves. Like I just don't can't put together a package in my head that is fully as enticing that I think is going to instantly upgrade this roster that is available. Like Keegan Murray, 10 times out of 10. Yes, I will take Keegan Murray, but he's not available. Like we all know that he's just not going to be on the table. Why? Because the Kings have basically said he's not on the table. If Malik Monk isn't on the table, like you're not getting Keegan Murray. And for that reason alone, like you just need to extend Pascal. You need to keep him. You can't let him walk. And I understand like you want to control your own destiny. You want to do your own thing. Sure. I'm all for that. But at the same time, like he can, he clearly wants to be here. One to make the most money Two, He's been adamant saying that he loves Canada. He loves Toronto. He's only been here. Like this is the place that he knows he wants to stay here. And why let someone go that a wants to be here. B has put up insanely efficient numbers this year. Like he's in the top 10 in efficiency with true shoot. Like he has been ridiculously lights out since we've seen him. Uh, since everyone started being like, why is he not getting the ball more? Why is he not getting the ball more? And Darko slowly started working him back into the system. He's so dominant in the paint. He adds such a flair and transition game that was not there last night because the Raptors tried to run against the Clippers and it just would not work without Pascal Siakam. And this season is basically like, Given the slow start, I don't want to say it's a write-off, but like we're looking at playing at best. If you keep Pascal Siakam, I'm with Zolfi. You get a chance to evaluate this whole rest of the season. You have asset management where you're not losing Siakam for nothing. And then you take next year as a let's figure the money out or let's get Pascal. Let's see what the trades offer then because you have Pascal under contract and he's not pulling out or not committing, which we saw with the with the Suns rumors sons with the, the king's rumors and it's just ultimately i think it's just the best for everything because where else are you going to keep getting this offensive efficiency when you don't have one of the best pure offensive in key shooters that i've seen right this year in pascal siakam like people aren't talking about how good he's been this year genuinely he's been tremendous and i just i don't want to see that go so i i think they extend him i got, I got the max extension by that time I have a yeah, hot take for you. Let's hear it. Pascal Siakam is a top five ISO score for forwards in the league. I mean, that's so random, but I don't know if I yeah, can disagree it's, with it's that. It's hard to say it's a hot take as Raptors fans because, like, we probably do agree with that. I've been seeing a lot of conversation about, like, where he ranks in terms of power forwards in the NBA right now. And he's definitely top five as far as I see. I don't see too many other guys ahead of him, like in terms of like the power forward spot. Obviously, you have like a guy like Giannis. You can have conversations about like like okay, Anthony Davis and Giannis are probably ahead of him. 
guys after that, like Cat and maybe a couple others, you can have a conversation around. But Pascal Siakam has been as good as anybody else. Paolo Bancaro has been awesome, but I'd still say Pascal Siakam's in that conversation. Uh, so I think uh, he's a guy who has a lot of talent, obviously, but he just needs a bit more recognition. As you see, OG Ananobi's getting all the recognition now when he's in New York. But uh, that's yeah. just a fan base dependent thing. Look, like all the guys uh, in New York right now are saying, look, everyone loves RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Why didn't they love them when they were on the Knicks? And we're saying, look, everybody loves OG Ananobi. Why didn't they love them when he was on the Raptors? Every fan base thinks their, their players are getting slighted. That's just what being a fan is. So I think uh, Pascal Siakam's a good player. People know it. It's a, the reason why the, the offers haven't been great is just because he's an expiring deal. Like, why would the Kings include Keegan Murray if they don't have a guarantee from Pascal Siakam that he's going to stay? And all the reporting is Pascal Siakam's let them know that he's not going to stay and he's going to test free agency very likely. So until that's sorted out, the deals aren't going to be that great. So again, either A, Masai swallows his pride and decides that I'm going to move on from Pascal Siakam to kind of just change the direction of this team. Or B, he sticks to his guns and is like, I'm not trading this all-NBA player that we've raised in this city unless it's worth it for me. And the only way that's probably going to happen is if he extends him first. So I think like he has to kind of decide there which one is it. And the, the, the practical decision is probably B. It's going to be an interesting month. I think that the trade rumors are just going to constantly be spreading, like spicing their way out, spicing, uh, splicing their way throughout the NBA as we get closer, because he's probably the one name, like the biggest name on the trade market. This, I like, Trying to think, Malcolm Brogdon's also on there, but I I wouldn't say he's on the same level. Even though he would be a really nice, yeah. But like, yeah. Also at the same time, like Dejounte Murray and Zach Levine, they're not on the level of Pascal Siakam. Like, and I'll go to dying to say that 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 he is quite frankly like the best player on the market. I'm sorry, Zach Levine does not move the the needle for me. I, I, uh, I it's a it's a weird conversation to have. They're very different players. I think Zach Levine is a really really good player. They're, of course, they're, they're very they're very different in that sense. What I what I'll say to you is that like Pascal Siakam is the player that will move the needle the most for teams that need it. So uh, we can have a separate conversation a different day about who's better than Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam. But the teams that would trade for Pascal Siakam are teams that need Pascal Siakam versus like people wanting Zach Levine. Other than maybe like the Lakers don't really need him. Uh, like the Warriors and Kings you mentioned, those guys could use a, a, a Pascal Siakam really badly. Uh, Indiana Pacers could use Pascal Siakam really badly. So I think he would just like make the most of a jump for those teams. That's why his his value will probably be higher. But again, probably not as high as it would be if he was on like a, a long-term deal. Do we want to get to Darko's comments quickly before we uh, move on to fast break? Hell yeah. So... We've been kind of avoiding it the whole game. We've kind of put some teasing to it. But Darko Ryakovich was in the news after Tuesday night, after a tough loss to the Los Angeles Lakers, a really, really entertaining game that was overseen by everyone's favorite ref in Toronto, Ben Taylor, which if you don't know that name by now, Fred Van Vliet called him out last year and got a $30,000 fine for saying that he had a vendetta against him. That was because every time that Ben Taylor seemingly played Fred Van Vliet, he gave him a technical foul. So it felt like it was personal and took it to the media to say so. Darko Rajakovic did the same thing at the end of that game, calling out the referees and their atrocious refereeing in the last five minutes. Let me just read some of these quotes here. That's outrageous. What happened tonight is complete BS. This is shame for the referees. How is it possible that Scotty Barnes, who is an all-star caliber player in this league, goes into the rim every time with force and tries to get to the rim without flopping, trying to get called for fouls, and because he has two the entire game. How is that possible? That is because it was a 23-2 to two <laughs> in the fourth quarter free throw advantage. Uh, continues to go, saying... They just had to win tonight. If that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up and give them the win. Just give them the win. It was absolutely not fair. He stormed off. He was the most angry European man I've ever seen in my life, and I've grown up in with two European families. Uh, my dad and my mom's Italian and German, so I've seen some angry Europeans. That was honestly incredible. He got fined $25,000. Yep. So 
$5,000 less than Fred Van Vliet, which I'm a little surprised by. Surely he's going to get covered by MLSC and Masai Ujiri. I'm not saying it, it, it is going to, but it probably will be. Uh, is this just like the most uniting moment for Raptors fans with Darko Ryakovich? Because he, for a while there, was kind of being like, I, I'm i not really getting the vision. I don't really know why this guy was hired. He's a pushback. He's a layback. He sits there and he just lets everyone do what he does. He coddles his players. And now you you see this. So what do we all make of Mr. Darko in the past month or so, all culminating with that moment at the press? Spencer, I'll let you go first because I have a lot to say. Uh, so first of all, I just wanted to shout out Darko for still saying thank you to Doug Smith before, after the question, such a polite um, gentleman, <laughs> as he looked like he wanted to kill everybody in the room. Um, but I will, I will let Zolfi handle most of the, uh, stuff pertaining to Darko and the Lakers. I just want to say that I think this team fits his vision a lot better and I think you've seen a better coach team because of the pieces that he now has to work with. He wants a lot of ball movement, a lot of player movement. I think that Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett are both improvements over OG in that department. So um, I think he's this this trade for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly might have actually saved his job because I think we're going to see them have a pretty great offense for the rest of the year. And I think that. Um, it's going to be too much for the Raptors to look for someone new. Not that they would have in the first place, but I think if they kept going down that stretch of playing uninspired basketball, it would have been really hard for them not to uh, look for a new coach. So I think that he has a, he has a better team for him, his play style now. And now I'm going to swing it over to Zolfi to <laughs> do what he does. Uh, and rip yeah. Some apart. <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's funny because Jake, when you started talking about it and you talked about the Fred Van Vliet bit and Ben Taylor, you said Fred Van Vliet when he played Ben Taylor last year. It was a Freudian slip in my opinion, because yes, Ben Taylor acted like he was a player for the Lakers <laughs> in that game. He was basically their third player, a 10 year vet in the NBA coming off the bench, providing 10 points for them at the end there. Uh, ben Taylor, I mentioned him enough and I don't think I want to give him any more clout. He just needs to be better at his job. I don't think refereeing is easy. But it's also not that difficult where you have to insert yourself to that degree into a basketball game, especially such an incredible basketball game that should have had like 10 different conversation topics outside of Ben Taylor and that officiating crew. Uh, but in terms of Tarko's on-court fit, before I get to like the rant that he had, I think he's been awesome since this trade, like Spencer said. It fits his style more and it allows him to be more creative with the offense. You said it, Jake. He's been a bit of a madman since this injury too. And you're seeing him get into his comfort zone in terms of being like risky and getting uh, Thad Young in there, getting Garrett Temple in there, getting those guys in there. Jonte Porter has that extended run. The rotations have been different. Some of these lineups we just have never seen all season. Granted, a bit of that's due to injury, but he just looks like he's in a zone right now. And some of these aren't going to work, but to me, that's okay because he's trying things and he's doing it at a faster pace now. The one thing we loved about Nick Nurse when he came first was that this guy will try all this crazy stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But the fact that he's doing it with a pace and like uh, intention throughout games is the most important thing. Darko Ryakovich, I was fine with him at first, but what really started like being like a clear criticism of him is that he made his adjustments far too late. Raptors fans kept saying, give Pascal Siakam the ball more. It took a really long time for that to happen. They said, send Darko, uh, send Dennis to the bench. It took a really long time for that to happen. So those adjustments were happening really, really late. His game plan against the Celtics didn't make a lot of sense. Against the Pistons, he let a lineup go out there without Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam at one point. Jalen McDaniels had a good game against Boston, let him out there against the Pistons, and he kind of wet the bet. Those are things that like he was just adjusting really slow. But then since his trade, he's had this confidence that he's just making moves a lot faster. First game, R.J. Barrett looks really good against Cleveland. Second game, at the end, he's not doing so well against Memphis. He yanks him quickly, puts Dennis Schroeder in instead, and he gets to close out that game. That's a really quick adjustment. The game against well, the Warriors, going back to R.J. Barrett, he's the hot hand, has 26 and a half. Has him sit in the second for in the third quarter for a little bit. Warriors go on a bit of run. R.J. Barrett's out for two minutes. And then Darko's like, no, 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 R.J., get back in here. You've been playing well. He is reading the game now. And he's doing that at a much better pace, and he has a confidence and swagger, which I like to see. And swagger was no more shown than in that post-game press conference when he just stood up for his players. That was a baller. And Jake, I know we try not to swear, but that was fucking awesome. Darko Ryakovich was fantastic in terms of standing up for his players and doing it in a way where, like, I think the NBA had a really hard time trying to figure out how to find him because he wasn't super disrespectful in terms of swearing and whatnot. He just thought it wasn't fair that his players weren't treated the same. He was saying basically that, like, look, we're not even complaining about the fact that they got foul calls. It's the fact that we did it. He said it himself. Scotty Barnes is going to the hole 
and he is not flopping and he's going trying to get like legit contact and he's not being rewarded for it whereas the guys on the other end are like that's hard for the nba to argue against because he's not swearing he's not being rude about it he's just really upset that they weren't given the same type of treatment for the same type of like plays so i think it's it's one of those things where like he's doing it the right way and he has been and he deserves credit for that he's he's earned so much positivity from this fan base because everyone basically was saying is like this guy's just been smiling and drinking espresso this whole time you know how much you have to do to piss this guy off that bad for him to have that kind of a rant like that just says so much about darko's character and the fact that he was willing to do that for this team i like you said jake they better pay this fine for him because he just stood up Emmanuel quickly I thought he was going to be the guy to do it because he's the one who got some of those like calls at the end that were a little questionable but the fact that Darko went up and took the fine for everyone I think just shows so much about him as a person and the fact that he was willing to do that is awesome I want to go back to you guys and like what was your favorite part of the rant I have a couple options here one when he first sat down and then the neck crack and everyone was like, yo, this guy's about to say something. Spencer, you brought it up. Him thanking Doug was so funny because he was just like, thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Okay, thanks, Doug. Because he was so mad. He was so mad about it. And then one of my favorite underrated things about the rant was the way he said Scotty Barnes. He's like, Scotty Barnes? Like the way he emphasized Barnes was so funny to me. Like he had so many awesome moments. Like that is going to be on like compilations for years to come. Sky Sports had a comp- had a clip of it. Like Complex yeah. had a clip of it. This was internationally viewed. That's how big of a deal it was that Darko did this. I want to know from you guys, what was your favorite moment from the rant? Oh god. That's like asking me to pick between my favorite kids even though I don't have any. Um I don't know, man. Like I think you nailed I think the thanks Doug is an underrated one on there. I but it's got it's got to be the neck crack. It, it, it's he. He was about to. He was handling some business there. He came up there. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm. I'm a madman. I'm. I'm gonna do it." Like that. That for sure was like this guy means business because the devil, like the devil faces he was given yeah. after it too. Like I've never seen him just look just straight up like he was going to kill every single person in that room when they were all Raptors media too, which is my favorite part of it. Like there are people who did him no harm and he's just spitting fire in front of every single one of them. So yeah, that that's, I think that's my favorite part. Spencer. I'm going to go with a little bit of a different answer and I'm going to start by saying, or by referencing Evan Turner's Instagram post. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah. But he's complaining about his accent. I thought the accent was the best part of the whole thing. I think it added um, not non intentional comedic value, um, not because of how he's not because of like the accent itself, just like the terminology and stuff he's using when he's so mad. And he also just like the accent makes him sound like such a nice guy. Yeah, like I I don't know how to really explain it, but there's a couple things he said. I think one was like um, he was pretty much trying to say how are we supposed to play. Yeah, how, like, how, how are you to play it. the game? He said something like that. Yeah, or like, or just like, how do you to play? And I, was, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just. I, I probably shouldn't have been laughing through the whole thing, but it was the most prideful experience watching the, that um, because he looked generally upset that his basketball team is getting screwed over, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a Raptors fan, and I think, I think obviously a lot of people around the world did, as uh, Jake was saying. So. Yeah. An underrated yeah, one I'm... too was that he like did the table banging. Like not many people talked about that. Like the fact that yeah. he was like literally pounding the table at one point. That's how mad he was. Yeah, I, I go ahead. the Evan Turner thing was just. I still think that's ridiculously stupid. Like yeah. grow up, Evan Turner. We live in Canada. You want... It's like yeah, you literally the most multicultural place in the world. Yeah, like it's a guy. Also, basketball is just like it's a worldwide sport. You've never heard a guy with an accent before. Giannis speaks night in and night out. Like, why is this a thing? Why is this like the public? Like, I gen like that. The comments like that is just always annoy me because yeah. I'm just like, why? Like, what? Why is that the one thing that like you're focusing on? And I'm not saying for you, Spencer, specifically, but I'm like, I just don't get it because we're in a literally multicultural like country that none of this is different. Like it's just how people speak and he, it's not his first language. So like, why were people picking that apart from the thing? I think, like, I, I think the problem with it is that like, you saw the Stephen A's of the world and a lot of like American uh, media talking about the interpretation of what he was saying and taking it very literally. And I want to treat this as like a way to like provide a lesson for guys like Evan Turner, rather than just excoriating them. He deserves to be criticized for what he said, but I want it to be a bit of a lesson too. Uh, don't take what they're saying literally 
because you know what they're trying to say. That's more important. Uh, Dark Ryakovic saying Scotty Barnes is going to be the face of the league is is what came out of his mouth, and Stephen A. really latched onto that. And some of these other guys being like, "Okay, let's calm down." What Dark Ryakovic you support your team? Yeah, it's not even just that. What Dark Ryakovic probably meant to say is Scotty Barnes is going to be one of the faces of the league. That's probably what he meant to say, but he's just he, he. It's not his first language, like you guys mentioned. And I learned something, and this is a bit of a random aside, but like when I was at the University of Waterloo, I did a lot of like interview prep for uh, international students. I helped them with the resumes. I helped them for job seeking. And one of the things that I learned first that like just because the it's a second language and they're not writing things the best way possible doesn't mean you can't understand what they're meaning to say. What what their intentions are are more important. If you can understand what somebody's saying, even though their language isn't being translated directly as accurately as possible, that's more important. And it's the same thing here for Darko Yakovich. You know what he means. You know what he's trying to say. That is more important than how it's exactly coming out of his mouth, especially for somebody where it's sec- second language. So I want this to be a lesson for these guys that like, don't take everything so literally. Just understand where a guy's message is coming from, and it'll take you a lot further, especially in a game that's growing beyond just North America. Yeah, you Speak can understand so, everything. Preach, you Sophie. Yeah. Also, I know. though, you were you were uh, going to teach him a lesson. I will criticize him because I honestly probably think Evan Turner didn't know what he was saying. Because yeah, you know. But anyways, um, he's not the not the brightest bulb in the box. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out Darko, man. <laughs> Shout out Darko. I think. I think it's a unity point for this team. Yeah. Uh, and you saw it with quickly in his farewell post, to the Knicks that he's saying that there's a culture here that he like, hasn't felt a part of. And I think that culture culture has both been grown from Darko, his bike riding, like Ted Lasso, putting the team out on there and bringing these new guys in. And I think it's a perfect concoction of something that I'm really excited for the Raptors to grow on as this goes on. Like I'm looking forward for game to game for this Raptors team to play. And I'm counting down the days for them to play the Celtics on Monday because I think Scotiabank Arena is going to be rocking with the way that this Raptors team has played. And I get it. They're 15 and 23. Okay. They still have a, a negative record. Like they're very far below 500, but I just, I want to see what they do. So we're excited. Shout out Darko Ryakovich. Let's get to fast break and let's cover some of these things here because a lot has happened in the NBA. So we'll go kind of rapid fire with all of these. John Morant, Zulfi Arbet is voided. Um, I don't know about that. After look, no, 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 no. The after it should be actually. I, I've had a lot of my bets voided in past. Okay, uh, John Morant after looking like he was going to bring the Grizzlies back from the dead, suffered a shoulder injury in practice this past weekend and was shockingly ruled out for this season. He has undergone undergone shoulder surgery. Marcus Smart doesn't get any better for the Grizzlies. Dislocated his finger, out for six weeks. Could be more. He played through that also to an upset win, I might add. And he was draining threes with the dislocated finger. He looked like a boss. Uh, just a tough, tough season for the Grizzlies. I I, I feel for their fans, man. Uh, all the hope with them being – was it the number one seed or the number two seed last year? I think they were the number – Two, I believe. They were the number two, two seed, right? So from Going from that to all the stuff with Ja Morant and the offseason, for them to come back, for the team to rally around Ja and for it to be – like clearly like this team like was trying to build something and now they're just out of it again. Just just sucks. I wish it didn't have to happen like that. Hey, they did win two nights ago against the Mavericks without Morant, so don't don't void your bet too quickly. I will avoid my bet. My vo- my I'm throwing the mulligan in there and then I'm like clearing everything that was in the way of it as well. Like I, no, the bet's not happening, Zolfi. Yeah, I'm sorry. Me, you're gonna lose Almost all the bets to me. I you were nervous. You even texted me saying you were a little nervous I after our bet. It on the pod too that I was slightly nervous. But um, look, Memphis treat this like the Warriors did post champion. Uh, was it post championship? No, pre championship. Uh, that 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 injury riddled season for them where like Steph broke his uh, wrist or whatever it was. It was pre championship. It was pre championship. Yeah, it was the year, it was the year yeah, before. It was before. Yeah. So uh, treat it the same way. You guys are probably going to get a really high lottery pick. Like Alexandre Saar, I believe, the French kid. Like, got another French kid who's a freak. What's uh, going on in France, man? Yeah, oh my god. Uh, he's probably somebody <laughs> they should be targeting because he's a big man. He can be the five of the future for them. So I think if you kind of just treat the season like that, get a really high lottery pick, come back next season, reload it, hopefully healthy, with some continuity on this team, I think they can be a lot of fun next year. But yeah, this season's pretty much a wash now at this point. 
Moving back to Warriors, you gave me a good transition point there. Draymond Green has been cleared to return after he was suspended for the altercation with Yusuf Nurkic, punched him in the face. He put out a podcast because, of course, he did. That was his return to the game. Put out a podcast, quite a kind of emotional podcast. I listened to the thing. I was writing up an article on it. I was talking about how much he resented everything that happened. He apologized to both. Gobert for the headlock that he did, and Nurkic, he took full accountability, apologized for his teammates, for Steph Curry. Steve Curry, they talked about uh, that he went to Steve Curry, they hanged out on the lawn, and they cried together. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, Just a really, like, people are reading it two different ways, but it seems like Draymond Green is working his way back up into the lineup, says the the antics. He's going to cut them out. Um, Over under five games before Draymond Green does something stupid again. (laughs) Oh, God. Now that's a bet. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll take the over. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, even though he's done absolutely nothing to deserve it. Uh, but it's just one of those things where I'm give, doing it purely out of hope. I hope he can be a guy who kind of has it together. I want Draymond Green to follow the ma- mantra of like, what have you done for me lately? And kind of use that to spark himself and this team a little bit. Draymond Green, don't act like the four-time champion who's been here, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Act like you're just a new guy on the team trying to make an impression and trying to get back to being a winning player. And hopefully that uh, does a lot for him. Because lately, all you've done, Draymond, is negatively impact this team. So go back to being a positive player. Go back to helping his team win games. And no one's going to really be talking about this drama when you come end of season if you guys are doing well. When is he? When is he going to start playing again? It hasn't officially been said, but he's been back with the team practicing and they're putting him on like some workout regimen, I think, to work him up to Mm. game speed. Uh, And but he's still doing his counseling as well, which is he always loves to hear that. Yeah, in fairness, he missed like 10 games. So I guess like it's hard for him. You you do have to work him up. Yeah. Not everyone can come out John Morant style and hit buzzer beaters. If he didn't stay in shape, I got to take the under. It doesn't sound like a change man to me. (laughs) (laughs) Under five. Yeah, I'll go over. I, I kind of want to believe him. Like, he is doing harm to the organization. Like, on an already t- pretty tumultuous season for the Warriors, like, this doesn't help. No. And he did sound very remorseful. Um, And I would like to believe that, especially when he's coming out there and speaking so highly on him going to counseling and how he needed this and him talking about how all these people, like, in the, like we saw when he was put into this indefinite suspension, that people were like, I hope he gets help. And he like reflected on that saying like it, he didn't really think about that until like he thought about what he was actually doing. So I want to believe that he's a changed man. H- have we seen a lot happen from him? Yes. But I, everyone can change. Like I hope that Draymond is part of that because the Warriors kind of need it. And this season, like also their fans, I kind of say you're, these fans suck, man. Booing this team. Why are you, what are you doing? They have won four championships in the past like 10 years what is wrong with you why what you, you are you entitled like you yes. oh my god <laughs> exactly what it like, is just sitting you can't have like i want steph curry if you're gonna boo because of this team is like oh underperforming even though they're hovering around 500 like grow up you won a championship two seasons ago hey man high expectations booing i guess clay thompson is booing clay thompson is wild did you even see his reaction? He's like, I don't care. And I don't blame him for not caring, caring because uh, yeah. it's one of the only times Clay Thompson wouldn't seem corny if he did the four rings thing. <laughs> Imagine just standing up <laughs> on the t- announce tables, just like flashing the fours to yeah. every single one of the fans. That'd be crazy. <laughs> While they're all booing him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Tough times going on in Golden State. Kawhi Leonard. Thanks. Speaking of tough times. Steve Ballmer decided to give Kawhi Leonard a three-year, $152 million contract when the Toronto Raptors were in town, just rubbing it in their faces a little bit more. At that, that, that moment didn't go past us, okay? We, we all saw that, Steve Ballmer. We know what you're doing. You're not subtle. Um, so Kawhi is officially under uniform for the Clippers for four more seasons. And the Clippers are looking really good this year. Is that a, is it a big contract, though? How are we all feeling about that contract? Three years, 152, like just a very simple math of it is like around 50 million. It's guaranteed. There's incentives in it too, but like he's a really, really good basketball player when he's on the court. And this season, for the most part, he's been on the court. Like I think uh, the, the Clippers are in just a situation where they have to kind of strike when the iron's hot. This guy's playing well right now. 
if he ha- if he was playing really well this season and you were just so trepidatious about the fact that he is like an injury riddled player and you didn't sign him and then he went somewhere and was playing really well and stayed healthy, that would have been such a bad look for the Clippers that they just couldn't have the situation happen. At least if you keep the guy, you know he wants to be in LA. It's one of those things where like you take that risk. And I, I don't think many people would look back in hindsight and be like, uh, Clippers, you were dumb for giving Kawhi that money because you just know how good Kawhi can be come playoff time. And this team is playing so well right now. So a lot of money, but he's a, he's a caliber of player, at least, that's earned that kind of money. So I think it's just the right thing to do at this point, and he, he wants to be there. Yeah, I think that was well said. I don't think it's an overpay by any means, as long as he can stay healthy, but that's impossible to determine on their front, so they did what they had to do. PG probably gets extended really soon, too, now. like They want to obviously keep these two guys on the same timeline, so I expect Paul George to be extended really soon, too. That luxury tax is going to be looking oh so spicy for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's Kawhi, man. Like, we all love Kawhi. We all know what he is. He's a literal cerebral assassin out there. He has not lost a step when he's healthy. Like, watch him last night. He's so effort in his play. I, I miss the guy a lot. Uh, and yeah, Clippers, you're, you're lucky, man. You guys have four Hall of Fame players on your team. I feel like that's like... It's now or never. Uh, uh, and they're a good team. They're a really, really solid team to watch after a really slow start with Harden. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, I, if they stay healthy, it's kind of looking like it could be, it, it might be their year. I, I don't know. I, I, I might be on the wagon, man. They, they, they just have solid front to back and they have really good bench pieces that are not asked to do too, too much. And I just, from my brief time watching them this season, I, I like him. I like him a lot. So you're lucky you got the claw on your team. Enjoy him because he's retiring a raptor. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about, Talk hot about takes. Hot takes. Damn. <laughs> no, he's he's retiring a raptor. He's I mean. gonna get his jersey hung in the raptor. He's been the first raptor to get his jersey hung. Okay, now you're and... just getting going way too far. Move on to the next topic. <laughs> okay, sorry, fine. He's gonna be getting a a trophy outside no he's going to be getting a statue, statue outside and that's you think the one my problem you... with you was saying that he's going to get a jersey retired <laughs> he's going to be first <laughs> i don't care about yeah, his jersey no, all... being retired he's not going to be first yeah no that's going to be vince carter um let's move on to the final thing on fast break and is that is the toronto raptors do not have any fans is the second all-star return voting Kyle Kuzma is off the list. God bless after him being mysteriously on there last week for some reason. Wizard fans, what are you doing? Why are you voting for him? Uh, Two weeks in a row, Scotty Barnes. No, yeah, you're right. It is Kuzma's burners. Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, both absent from the all-star list. Now, the fan voting is not the whole thing. This is also just the starters, so there is still a chance, but it is looking very bleak for both Scotty and Pascal to be a starter for the all-star game. I've been voting. I don't know about you guys, but it hasn't been helping. I want to talk to New York fans and Toronto fans at the same time. Shut up with all the complaining about your fan bases and your teams have been slighted because both these fan bases just complain and complain and complain and they're not stepping up. Jalen Brunson is sixth in guard voting. This guy is a freaking baller right now. He's doing so much work. New York is the biggest media market out there. Why is he six? Why are Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam not even sniffing these lists? You all, every everything I've seen since this trade has happened is New York talking about how their team and their players get slighted. Toronto talking about how their team doesn't get enough love and intention to be north of the border. Doesn't seem like any of the fans are doing their part for both these major North American cities. So really, like, stop the complaining if you're not going to step up for your players. Because, like, I don't want to hear it then. It's one of those things where I say, like, if you're going to vote, you get a say. If you're not voting and not putting your money where your mouth is, I don't really want to hear what you have to say then. So if you support Scotty Warren, you support Jalen Brunson, you support these players, it should be showing up on these lists because you have very little excuse when it comes to being a small media market, when it comes to coverage for your players. All eyes are on these guys a lot of the time. So you guys need to do what you can to get them in. Vote like crazy. Scotty Barnes, I don't think he's going to get voted in as an all-star because being a starter with some of the guys ahead of him is going to be really hard. But the fact of the matter is, is getting his name on this list is going to be how coaches pay attention to him and how they're going to take uh, recognition of him, how he might be above a guy like a Kristaps Porzingis or like a Paolo Bancaro and some of these other guys who are going to be potentially competing with to get a reserve spot. So if his name's not there at all, he's not going to be top of mind. So I don't care if Scotty Barnes is not going to start. Vote for him anyways. 
this is how we get Scotty Barnes into the All-Star game. Every single person that has watched Darko Ryakovich's rant has heard his name, has heard Scotty Barnes is an All-Star over and over in their head. If every single person that watched that voted for Scotty Barnes once, Scotty Barnes would be the clear-cut number one starter for the All-Star game. (laughs) Get this man into the All-Star game. They got Fred Van Vliet was in the All-Star game two years ago and was on the top of the voting charts. Pascal Siakam was on the charts all the entire time last year. Scotty Barnes deserves to be on this list. You can have your conversation about Scott, Pascal Siakam. We all love Pascal Siakam. Scotty Barnes, why the hell is he not on this list? It is absolute blasphemy that he's not even in the top 10 or sniffing it because he's like, he's putting up better numbers than half these guys. I don't care record wise what it says. You have an entire country watching this guy play. And whether it's that people just have checked out of the Raptors or still think that this is, they have the perception of this is a bad team from the past couple months and that no one just really cares. But like, Either stop crying like Zolfi said and go vote and you let it done or just like shut up because that's all I'm seeing is like, oh, he's not getting it. But clearly people aren't voting enough to get him into the game. Just go vote him. It's not that hard. Either vote for him or don't vote for him or stop crying about it <laughs> because it's everywhere I see on my timeline. The numbers piss me off more when I look at them because like look at number 10 on the guards and uh, front court list in the Eastern Conference, like barely 300,000 votes. You have a country of 30 million people. The city of yeah, Toronto ridiculous, alone has man. like 2 million people. You can't get 300,000 votes for Scotty Barnes, especially when there's like triple vote days. Like the math of that just makes zero sense to me. Like where is the fan base in this city? The hell, this country. There's international fans for the Toronto Raptors because Canada is such a multicultural country and it's diverse. Where the heck are these fans and why aren't they voting? I don't understand. I wish we could, they released the whole list. Because I want to know exactly where Scotty Barnes is. I feel like it it has to be close to ten. It like I just it it, it baffles my mind. Scotty Barnes should be an all star. Go vote for him, or like I'm gonna cry because the, the <laughs> argument that like oh they're a bad team right now and that's why we're not voting for him. I find that stupid as well. Hey, well, I don't what, care. You know what? The only things bad teams have to look forward to their best players being recognized. Yeah, that's Back in so... the day, Chris Bosh during these crappy teams was one of the only things fans in Toronto were excited about because they got to vote for him to be an all-star. Do the same thing here. Whether this team is crappy or not, vote your best players in. Let them get some recognition than if they're a crappy team. Like the Charlotte Hornets are crappy, and if LaMelo Ball was healthy, they'd probably be just – all they'd be hoping for is that he can be an all-star because that's all they have to root for. Same thing here. Whether the Raptors are good or not, have something to root for in Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam trying to be all-stars. But LaMelo Ball is on the list, too. <laughs> That's the thing that blows my mind even more, is that the fans are still voting him in regardless. Like, there's just no loyalty to voting fans, to voting their guys in this year. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, this used to be every year, Kyle and Damar, they were always on there, whether they were starting or reserves. Like, they were always got the recognition. Then it was Kawhi, Siakam, Kyle. Then it was Fred Van Vliet and Siakam. And then now it's an, eh. Now, when the Raptors have like their most promising prospect in God knows how long, and he's putting up current numbers and better than most of the guys on the list, yeah, nah, let's not vote him. Why not? Uh, so go vote for Pascal Siakam, please, so I can stop crying because I have been voting every day, twice. I got my burners going. I got my multiple Twitter burners that Zulfi has set up for me going. Uh, <laughs> Why are you putting me how, this? Because I have to backtrack it. I can't. Uh, I can't say I have the burners on my own. Anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up for the podcast, boys. How are you feeling on that? Good. Get there. Feeling session. good, but also feeling bad because Scotty Barnes is going to be an all-star. Thank you, Darko. Scotty Barnes I... is going to be the face of this league. I appreciate that, Darko Ryakovich. That's going to wrap it up for the podcast today. If you guys did enjoy what you liked and heard, Please consider following us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a review if you liked it. If you didn't like it, tell us why in the comments. You know, we would like a review every once in a while. You can follow us at dream underscore team pod on Twitter or X. And you can follow us at dream underscore team underscore pod on Instagram. And you can follow me at Jake underscore Schultz six on Twitter. Zolfi, where can they find you? At Zolfi underscore shake Z-U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H on Twitter, on Instagram. Got stuff on Sportsnet, got stuff on Raptors Republic. Check it all out. Talk about people deserving some love. I did a little optional on Marquise Noel following the last 905 game. He's actually 
uh, surprisingly leading the next up game vote, which is like the G League All-Star game. So if we can vote in our G League All-Stars, let's vote in our actual NBA All-Stars as well. Spencer. You can find me at Spencer underscore Kloss, C-L-O-S-S. I'm going to be tweeting every day. Or not tweeting every day. What am I talking about? Voting every day for Scotty Barnes. Vote him in. It's like you could do both. I don't know if that's necessarily enticing for people to follow. No you, promises but... on the tweets. I will vote though. All right, that's gonna do it. Go vote Scotty Barnes, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.